the audible of the best in Bitcoin. This is the Crypto Economy. What is up, crew? Welcome back to the show. I hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. Uh, we are actually reading our first piece from Al Jazeera today. Um, and this one is by Timur Azari. It's titled, just, it came out uh, just last week, and it's Distrust in Lebanese Banks Spurs Bitcoin Boom. So let's go ahead and start the read. Distrust in Lebanese Banks Spurs Bitcoin Boom More Lebanese are embracing the notorious volatile cryptocurrency as the country's economy founders. Beirut, Lebanon When Mayer, an engineer in his mid-30s, returned to Lebanon flush with cash from working in the Gulf, he deposited his hard-earned savings in a bank, believing they would be safe. But as Lebanon has spiraled into its worst economic crisis in decades, banks have imposed informal capital controls that force people to withdraw their savings in Lebanese pounds at the official exchange rate that effectively values their savings at 40% less than what it's worth on the parallel market. Nothing can prepare you for the shock of this, Mayer told Al Jazeera. But Mayer, who asked his surname be withheld to protect his privacy, is not standing by helplessly. He is trying to move what is left of his savings out of Lebanon via a financial instrument many in the country have not embraced until recently. Bitcoin Suddenly everything turns upside down and all the options are open, said Mayer. With confidence in Lebanese banks at an all-time low over increasing restrictions on foreign currency movements, more Lebanese are turning to digital currencies like Bitcoin as a way to shift their money in and out of the country. Quote, Right now, Lebanese are interested in escaping tight restrictions on cash withdrawals and transfers. They basically want financial freedom. End quote. 29-year-old Mahmoud Jaim who has traded Bitcoin since 2015, told Al Jazeera, quote, If you want to go around the banking system, Bitcoin is a solution. Bitcoin, the first and most well-known cryptocurrency, is neither issued nor controlled by any government or financial entity. Rather than go through a bank or another middleman, transactions made in Bitcoin are peer-to-peer, anonymous, and verified by a decentralized global network of computers. Since its launch over a decade ago, Bitcoin has gained legions of converts around the globe who use it to buy everything from hotel bookings to cars, laptops, and furniture. But it never really took off in Lebanon, where central bank restrictions on purchasing Bitcoin with Lebanese credit cards, glacial internet speeds, and unreliable electricity have acted as serious impediments to adoption. Risk aversion is another reason Lebanese have steered clear. Bitcoin is famously volatile, whereas the Lebanese pound has long been pegged to the dollar, with which it was used interchangeably. But faith in the stability of the Lebanese pound has been badly shaken recently. Lebanese banks began imposing increasingly restrictive informal capital controls, 
after a popular uprising first swept the country more than four months ago. Foreign currency withdrawals are now limited to between $50 and just a few hundred dollars a month. Transfers abroad were recently capped at $50,000 a year for so-called, quote, necessary matters. Fears that the Lebanese banking system and indeed the entirely heavily indebted Lebanese state could collapse have led many to invest their cash in assets rather than keep it in the banks. They have bought gold, jewelry, cars, real estate, and increasingly, Bitcoin. Seven Lebanese Bitcoin traders said in interviews with Al Jazeera that the volume of their trade had spiked since November when capital controls were first introduced, with the value of transactions collectively reaching millions of dollars a month. Quote, It started slow, but now it's going exponential, said Tedros, a 33-year-old Bitcoin trader who is also the chief technology officer of web development firm Cinefo.com, told Al Jazeera. Quote, Before the uprising, Bitcoin gave me supplementary income, but now it's definitely become the primary. Omar Debian, a 24-year-old Beirut-based Bitcoin trader, told Al Jazeera. Making the Transaction Moving money out of Lebanon via Bitcoin often begins with pairing buyers who want to convert foreign exchange or other hard assets into the cryptocurrency with sellers who have a surplus of Bitcoin. The sellers profit from the transaction by charging a commission, typically between 1% and 5% of the total value of the hard asset being exchanged. Most of these transactions happen by referral, Tedro says. Quote, It's a small community, but there are lots of scammers around, so we try to keep things close, verify, and establish trust between people. Some buyers and sellers meet through groups on popular messaging apps like WhatsApp. In one such group, participants regularly post offerings anywhere between hundreds of dollars worth of Bitcoin to hundreds of thousands of dollars worth. Houses, cars, and phones have also been put up for sale in the cryptocurrency, on that single group of more than 250 members. Once a buyer and seller are matched, there are two commonly used avenues for completing the transaction. The first and simplest involves meeting in person and exchanging physical cash for a Bitcoin transfer, a method referred to as over-the-counter, or OTC. Quote, Basically, this means we meet up in a Starbucks, he gives me the physical money, and right there, I transfer him the Bitcoin. End quote, Tedros explained. Debian said that one of his customers liquidated their assets in Lebanon and bought hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of Bitcoin in cash in order to transfer that wealth to Germany. A second popular method for transacting involves buyers handing sellers a physical banker's check verified by Lebanon's central bank. These banker's checks can only be deposited in another Lebanese bank. Once the seller takes possession, they transfer Bitcoin to the buyer. Sellers charge a steep commission on this type of transaction, 25 to 40%, because the money they receive remains tied up in a Lebanese bank that could potentially collapse or impose even tighter capital controls. They also assume a normal exchange rate risk. Quote, I'm basically hedging that I'll still make a profit and the dollar won't devalue by more than 40%, end quote, a Bitcoin trader said on condition of anonymity. For buyers, though, the steep commission can be worth it given their only alternative for moving money out of Lebanon is converting their savings at the official exchange rate 
of 1500, which values the Lebanese pound at 40% less than the parallel exchange rate of 2500. Quote, Bitcoin is protected by mathematics. Fiat or traditional currencies are protected by governments. Which do you trust? Simon Tedros, a 33-year-old Bitcoin trader. It puts your mind at ease. Many Lebanese banks have allowed customers who put new money in the bank, either in cash or via transfer from outside Lebanon, to open so-called fresh money accounts that are not subject to capital controls. In theory, this allows customers all the ease of transferring money that makes Bitcoin attractive. But trust in banks has been so eroded that many fear new restrictions could be imposed at any moment, barring their access to even fresh money. Quote, We distrust the banking system, so we just don't use it at all anymore. End quote. The founder of a Lebanon-based tech company with about a dozen employees told Al Jazeera, the founder, who spoke on conditions of anonymity, said they transfer about $30,000 worth of Bitcoin into Lebanon every month to pay employees. The Bitcoin is bought from a foreign account and then sold over-the-counter in Lebanon to established buyers. Quote, Some people need to get money out, others need to get money in. When we find each other, we match. The founder said, Over time, we've developed stable relationships. Bitcoin is also attractive because large sums can be transferred within just a few minutes, while waiting periods for bank transfers can top a week, Debian says. Quote, Fresh money takes at least a week to 10 days to be transferred, and that's if it's sent. Meanwhile, I can transfer Bitcoin in $100,000 batches in less than 30 minutes. It puts your mind at ease. End quote. A 28-year-old Bitcoin trader who goes by Crypto Lyra on Twitter told Al Jazeera that in addition to Lebanese, wealthy Arabs with investments in Lebanon are also turning to Bitcoin. The trader manages large Middle Eastern accounts. Quote, They just want to get their money out of Lebanon. We're talking really large sums, he said, adding that they were doing so using the banker's check method, incurring significant losses. A volatile currency for volatile times. Bitcoin has had significant ups and downs since it was launched, hitting a peak of around $20,000 in 2017 before crashing to just a few thousand. It currently sits around $9,650. But Crypto Lyra said that the currency is still a smart investment in Lebanon, given the country's uncertain financial outlook. Quote, when people talk about the volatility of Bitcoin, it's important to remember how volatile currency can be too. I mean, just look at the Lebanese lira, or pound, he said. Yes, Bitcoin is volatile, but it's volatile on the up. It's one of the best performing assets in the world. End quote. This is true for 2019. The Financial Times reported earlier this month that dedicated cryptocurrency investment funds brought in returns of more than 16% in 2019, while traditional head fund strategies yielded just 10.4%. However, go back a few years and the volatility of the digital currency led many who bought in the lead-up to the 2017 peak, or even in 2018, to lose large sums. Still, the inherent anarchy of Bitcoin 
makes it irresistible for many Lebanese living through the country's unprecedented anti-establishment uprising. Quote, If you're fighting for a world where Bitcoin is a main currency, you're fighting for the end of all governments, Crypto Lyra said. We had the separation of church and state. Today, Bitcoin is working towards the separation of money and state. End quote. Tedros agrees. Quote, Bitcoin is backed by mathematics. Fiat and traditional currencies are protected by governments. Which do you trust? And that will close out today's article by Timur Azari uh, and uh, posted on aljazeera.com. I will have the link to all of this. This is our first read from Al Jazeera um, and a really good piece uh, by Azari here. Um, I just kind of stumbled upon it and it made its rounds on Twitter and I really enjoyed this and there's a couple of really, really potent things that I want to address in this article. So let's go ahead and hit our sponsor and we will jump back in with Guy's take on this uh, fascinating short piece here. So this is where Bitcoin shines. Um, this is where the nature of decentralization finds its first use case in um, a first really novel use case where it can serve uh, a customer in a way that no other tool actually can. Um, and when people begin to realize this and people with larger and larger amounts of money realize this, um, there is going to be a FOMO to the gates of Bitcoin. And as the technologies and the integration of this get better, um, I think banks are going to work against themselves in that they're going to push developers and new companies to solve the problems without needing the banks um, or with completely alternative institutions. Because for the very reason that like even this so-called fresh money of the Lebanese central bank, they're not using it. Nobody wants that because it's just, it's just the other permissioned version of money in a Lebanon in a Lebanese bank. Like, why would they trust that? That was what their money used to be was fresh money. They used to have all these freedoms and restrictions, and now it's being sold. Freedoms and lack of restrictions, excuse me, and now it's being sold back to them as some added benefit. Like now it's a, you know, they took the free account and turned it into a premium and then just destroyed their own service. These services, these, this, the financial system and monies are based on trust. You can't, you can't destroy the trust and then resell it to somebody and think it's worth the same amount. And this is going to cascade. This is going to feed on itself and become a negative cycle against the financial system. And nobody is really in any better situation. The whole thing is upside down. And the fact that if they were holding it in Bitcoin, if they had had it uh, accessible um, in Bitcoin, not only would they not have lost half of their money just in Lebanese, the Lebanese bank deciding one day that, well, that's just what you can get it for. They also could have made a profit. They also could have moved their money in seconds or minutes without having to care about anyone's permission. And the report, they could have just ignored any report from the Lebanese central bank or their, their own personal bank. It's irrelevant. Why do I care? 
one of those powerful comments in this whole thing is something that has slowly come to uh, uh, be the reality in, in my own world. Uh, the more and more I've become, uh, I guess, attached to Bitcoin um, in, the, in the financial sense um, was, quote, it puts your mind at ease. And it was, it was in the context of, you know, fresh money, quote unquote, takes at least a week to 10 days to be transferred. And that is if it gets sent. Meanwhile, they can transfer $100,000 batches of Bitcoin in less than 30 minutes. Quote, it puts your mind at ease. And this is going to be one of those things. Like, like I remember... Back in the day when I was first getting into Bitcoin, everything scared the crap out of me. And over time, I learned I made terrible, painful mistakes um, in the process, particularly when the software was very, very, you know, beginning. Like, like everything was super fresh, command line sort of stuff. Um, and uh, key management wasn't that great. Backups were terrible. All that, all that fun, uh, painful uh, history. Um, but... Uh, also, like, I would constantly get really nervous when I sent Bitcoin. Like, I would be like, oh, God, it's not showing up immediately in this other address or this wallet isn't seeing it. Is it gone from the other one? Is it not in the new one? Like, there would feel like this limbo where I didn't know. And as I understood more and more about it and became more and more used to it, made more and more transactions and uh, just became comfortable with the system and how it worked and knowing when things were a little funky or, you know, blocks might take a while sometimes. All these things, all the quirks of Bitcoin. I, I, all of that worry went away. Now, like now I can move Bitcoin and I just know that, okay, well, if it doesn't show up in the other account, it's, it's in the first one. Like, like just the nature of UTXOs, they either get burnt and uh, it gets sent to the new one or it just shows back up in the other one. Like I don't really have anything to worry about. I own both the keys that, are the consequence of sending Bitcoin. Like, it's one or the other, it's mine. And it doesn't really, it doesn't worry me like it used to. And when I finally have money, I get stressed out for the alternative. I used to get stressed out when money was in Bitcoin and Bitcoin was moving quickly or being very volatile. I used to be stressed out when I was sending a Bitcoin transaction. Now I realize that I have that stress and nervousness when I'm doing something with the bank. When I have any kind of significant money in a bank, I get scared. I, I realize, like, because now the couple times that I have had to do it, I've gotten calls from the bank being like, what are you doing? Why are you, why do you have multiple thousands of dollars instead of 200 bucks in your account? Like, I was suspicious, asking me where the money came from, what I intended to use it for. Suddenly, all the stress and all the pain is in the financial system, the one that's supposed to be solving all of my problems and providing me with a service to make this easy for me, to, to give me some sort of financial service. And finally, when I can get money sitting in Bitcoin and it's sitting in my wallet on my keys and I am in control of the transaction, it puts my mind at ease. I am finally like, I can go to sleep and not give a shit. I don't have to worry about it. I know it's Bitcoin. I know the rules are going to be the same in the morning. I know the blocks are going to keep coming. I know nobody, no government, no central bank is going to stop my transaction or take my coins from me. I know how to, I've learned well enough how to keep my keys 
you know, that could obviously be a source of stress for a lot of people, but it's not for me. I know my attack vectors generally well, and that I'm much more at risk at, with the banks and with the state of the current financial system. And I know that when I have money in the bank, I'm a creditor to the bank. I don't even own that money. I am loaning it to the bank. And if the bank goes under, well, I'm a creditor. I pay for that loss. That actually changed in uh, like 2009, I think, was the law that was passed that officially made it. I think there was like this like kind of murky like halfway situation prior to that. But it was basically like defined in the new laws passed uh, after the, uh, the most recent financial crisis, the housing bubble. Um, but I don't own it. I don't even own it by their own rules, by everything written in the fine print and the giant ridiculous contract. I own nothing in the banking system. And they make it perfectly clear over and over again. And it scares the crap out of me. And a 40% dip on Bitcoin? I can shrug it off because I know it's mine and I'm not worried about Bitcoin. That's a powerful shift. That is a powerful thing to have something that finally puts your mind at ease. And the last, the section heading on the last uh, paragraph or the last uh, section of this article is just beautiful. Um, and I'm probably going to use this and maybe I'll uh, try to uh, hat tip Timur Azari when, when I do. But a volatile currency for volatile times. So beautiful. So perfectly sums up where we are in this day and age and the level of risk that we have to deal with. The world is getting very volatile. Political jurisdictions are in question. Uh, government institutions are in question. Central banks are in question. Whether or not your bank is going to have your money is in question. Whether or not you can actually trade with this country is in question. Everything is in a state of volatility. The world is in a awful position because of the horrifically irresponsible and thieving policies of our financial system, of our global financial system. It will not be long before the volatility of Bitcoin is a cakewalk in comparison to the volatility of all the trust, assurances, promises, and guarantees of our corrupt, lying government monetary institutions. Volatility is relative, ladies and gentlemen. That which falls 10% in a week and goes up 15% the following week is a hell of a lot more stable than that which loses 40% at the stroke of a pin. Unfortunately, hundreds of millions, maybe even billions of people are going to learn that in the next decade. And while Bitcoin is volatile on the way up, the entire fiat system will be chasing volatility on the way down. And it's also important to remember that these are two uh, opposing financial systems, that, that the money, the value, can only stay in one at a time. So every single dollar, euro, or Lebanese pound that makes its way into Bitcoin makes Bitcoin more stable and less volatile while simultaneously more valuable while the dollar, euro, and Lebanese pound get less stable, more volatile, and lose value. 
gradually, then suddenly, it is going to happen. And it will certainly be a thing to see. Um, I thought this was, uh, this was a cool little article, just really digging into the, even in the niche market, still, you know, still small, still peanuts, but proving over and over again that Bitcoin serves a very critical and insanely valuable purpose in this day and age that almost nothing else can actually facilitate. I think a thousand, a million of these micro examples are what will create the macro change. And as painful as the transition is likely to be, it's the only way out of this disaster that the central banking system of the world has stacked on top of the middle class and the poor all across the globe. When they lose trust, there will be no way to get it back. And the fact that Bitcoin was the best performing asset in 2019 uh, is comical. <laughs> when 2019 was peak of the bear, like just straight through the bear market. 2018, 2019 has been nothing but bear market in my opinion. Stagnant, boring as far as the price goes. Tons of development, tons of exciting stuff on the real side of things, on actually watching and seeing Bitcoin develop and expand, but totally boring on the price. If 2019, it outperformed everything, 2020 is going to make that look like a joke. So I hope you guys have got your seatbelts tight and you guys are ready for this because it's going to get nuts. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I think I've got everything I wanted to hit. I just thought this was a really good article and I wanted to share it with you guys if you'd missed it. Um, again, don't forget to follow uh, Timur is T-I-M-O-U-R and Azari is A-Z-H-A-R-I. I will, of course, link to the Al Jazeera article and uh, Timur's uh, Twitter. I'll tag him in the post and link to it in the show notes. So don't forget to check that out at thecryptoeconomy.com where all of that stuff is posted and where you can find uh, 400 and some, like I think we're a little over 440, 440 reads, discussions, and uh, uh, chats with uh, people from the space and authors in the space on everything you can think of around Bitcoin. And this is, what, read 360, I think? 360. It's crazy. It's been a wild ride. Um, and, you know, I think... I've said this before on the show, but I think we have two futures. I think we have, uh, we're at a fork in the road and we are basically in control of which way we go. Um, you know, people have been pushing privacy, have been pushing sovereignty and uh, responsibility to the edges. They've been pushing it out of their lives for years, for decades. They've been building on dependence. They've been uh, exchanging convenience for every sort of loss of sovereignty that they could even think to trade, trade it for. And if we don't want the future of the Lebanese banking system, if we don't want, like, we, we could end up being where China is. We could end up in essentially a surveillance state where no one owns anything, where the government's perception of our good or bad citizenry is what decides whether or not we have the freedom to get on a train. Now, I don't know about you guys, but that's not a future I want to be a part of. 
But shockingly, somehow, by the stroke of luck, we have a different alternative. We actually have a different path that we can take. One where sovereignty is guaranteed by a global decentralized network. And no government, no central bank can contest that. Where privacy is merely a choice again and not a default assumption that it's not possible. I mean, think about it. If all you had to do was learn a little bit and start playing with a couple of tools and making, take, just taking the responsibility of figuring out how this thing works, that one day you could live in a world where the state of the global financial system, where the state of your retirement, your savings, had nothing to do, didn't matter? What, who, who became president? Who was the head of the country? who the chairman of the Federal Reserve or your insert central bank here was? Why are my savings dependent on those people? What do they have to do with the value I have produced and the people that have bettered my life and that I have traded with? Wouldn't it just put your mind at ease if you could go to sleep knowing that all the assholes who were voting for Team A and all the assholes who were voting for Team B didn't make one damn bit of difference on whether or not you were going to keep your life, liberty, and the fruits of your labor. I mean, which one's going to give you better results faster? Which one's going to give you more security quicker? Screaming for another four years about who the president or is or is not? Arguing with the utter morons on Twitter that tell you what you should or should not do with your life? Or learning how to safely hold your Bitcoin keys? Because you can spend all day watching the news and spend all your time and energy and money on the former. Or you could listen to the crypto economy and get the latter. Your choice. I'm just, I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> Alright guys. Um, We're out. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, don't forget to check out uh, the article on Al Jazeera. Again, I'll have all the links and tag everybody. Um, uh, good stuff. I appreciate uh, the permission to read this as well. Um, also, if you guys have not listened to it yet, Knutz von Holmes' book, Sovereignty Through Mathematics, is amazing. It, it breaks down all of the basics. Uh, all the not, basics sounds too trivial. It's, it's the incredible insights that you can pull from Bitcoin, from its monetary nature, uh, it's the scarcity of, uh, or the nature of its scarcity and or inflation and lack of, uh, the, the, the system of mining and proof of work, what it means for Bitcoin, and so much more. Um, it is just an amazing piece. It's available for free on this show. I think it starts on episode, uh, read, um... I think it's 308. I looked it up uh, just, just a little while ago. Um, but somewhere, somewhere in the low 300s, I'll link to it in the show notes and uh, um, put it in the Twitter post so that you can find it easy. But it's five parts, and it's just an amazing book. And if you actually want to support um, myself uh, and Knut, he's, he's got it on audible.com. Well, actually, I've, I've set it up for him right now. But um, uh, you can also do that and support the show, support uh, Knut and, and the work. It's, it's great to get a sale of it. But obviously, um, uh, Svanholm is an angel and he made it available for free for you 
on this show. So you can just go back to Quick Reads 308 to 313 or 312 and listen to it there for free with my commentary added, mind you. Um, so thank you guys so much. Don't forget to check that out. That's another great one for just the whole image and the whole story of Bitcoin if you haven't yet. And lastly, of course, Bitcoin 2020 is right around the corner. I think there is a price increase right around the corner. I can't remember exactly what day it was going to land on, but go get them now if you haven't. Um, it's going to be an awesome conference, and I'm so excited and, and excited to meet three times as many Bitcoiners or twice as many Bitcoiners, whatever it is, as there were last year, because last year was nuts. But I, I could not be uh, more excited. So I hope you guys will join me, as many of you uh, as you can. Uh, thank you so much. And don't forget, don't forget, ah, ah, discount code CK. We'll get you a discount there. That's from our episode with CK Snarks that we did just recently, where I just kind of railed and made him answer all my questions about Bitcoin 20. Uh, so if you haven't listened to that one, uh, you should definitely check that out as well. Um, thanks so much for listening. I am out, guys. I'll catch you tomorrow. Until then, take it easy.